Has a lane, 15-10, touchdown, Chargers! What's up, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. Three weeks away from the 2023 NFL Draft in Kansas City. As always, joined by Matt Money smith and Money. The, the buildup is just kind of feeling it now a little bit. After talking to Mike last week, actually, I saw Mike's updated uh, mock draft, and uh, the pod must have been fresh in his mind because Dalton Kincaid's a charger in his mind. There you go. <laughs> yeah, a lot of more, a lot more mock drafts, uh, a lot more draft shows, a lot more draft columns, a lot more draft pods. I don't know if the picture is any clearer than it was a week ago, but you know. Teams, teams are going to leak out what they want to leak out. For the most part, they're they're playing straight. They're doing their due diligence. They've got their board. They've got their first-round grades. I think that's what most people that are listening to us are focused on, not so much what are the Chargers going to do in the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, but sort of what are these first three picks going to look like and where are they going to be. And I, I still think the one development that affects them a little bit is, is the emergence of Hendon Hooker as a potential first-round draft pick and the potential slide of Will Levis, as some are projecting. So that's between what we were talking about, you know, the conversation we had last week and the conversation we're having this week, that's perhaps the one development that bodes well for the Chargers, is if Levis slips, can he slip all the way to 21? Hendon Hooker, is he a first-round pick? How many teams have them on their board? Is their quarterback of the future willing to invest a first-round pick in? And would he be there at 21? And those are things that would benefit the the Chargers if they want to trade back. And it seemed like Tom and, and Brandon both alluded to that. And it's something that we brought up a couple weeks ago, right, is you only have so many first-round grades. And once you get out of those first-round round graded players, you're more open to trade back. It's just, is there another team that, has a first-round grade on one of those players that's sitting there when you're slated to pick at 21. You know, I, I, I try to take ourselves back to last year when we were trying to predict who the Chargers were going to select. And, mm-hmm. and we yeah, mentioned we Zion one. Johnson a few times, uh, but we didn't – I mean, we, we, you and I weren't saying, hey, Zion Johnson, look out for him. He's going to be the pick. So, you know, I, there's always things that happen on draft night, too, where uh, you don't expect. Hendon Hooker and, and Will Levis, I think those are things to keep an eye on. I think maybe trades – who knows what Lamar Jackson's situation is going to be like? Uh, you know, it, does that develop on draft night? Does it develop after draft night? Yeah. Um, I think those are all fair questions as we kind of look ahead to, to round one. Um, but at 21 overall, you know, first of all, did you see the the breakdown um, that Brett Coleman did uh, on Kellen Moore's offense? I did offense? on Kellen Moore's like, offense. A lot of 12, yeah. you know, the 12 versus 11, what he likes to run. And that perhaps is the one thing that I – I overlooked is probably the best word. You know, the receiving numbers are almost identical, but Gerald Everett is not a blocker. He's a, he's a pass catching tight end. Dalton Schultz can block. He's not an elite blocker, but he's a blocker. And I, I think that's something to, to keep an eye on with the, with the chargers is they drafted Trey McKitty as more of a blocking tight end with some receiving skills. And I think they're still searching for those blocking skills to show up. We know Donald Parham came in with very little ability to block, and he's progressed nicely as a more complete tight end than just a receiving threat, particularly in the red zone. So they'll continue to develop him. But that's where sort of the Michael Mayer versus Dalton Kincaid versus Darnell Washington 
all comes into play is tight ends are different. It depends what you're looking for. And the, the one thing I would would suggest for people that, that think, well, you, you've got to go Mayer instead of Kincaid because he's more of, a, of, of an all-round tight end as opposed to just a, a big receiver that's going to be covered by backers or safeties. The Chiefs don't really have that blocking tight end. You can find those extra blockers. And you know what? A lot more teams, and even the Chargers did this pretty regular, not regularly, but we'd see it maybe once, maybe two, three times a game. They run out of six offensive linemen. You know, it's if you're just going to keep a tight end to block and they don't have that many, you know, they don't have not elite, but just average receiving skills, then just bring in your sixth offensive lineman. And they were doing that with Storm as a sixth offensive lineman. They, they've done it multiple years. They did it with Trey before he became their starting right tackle. He was always their sixth offensive lineman. So they can do that. If, if you're concerned about drafting Kincaid to go with Everett and what is it that, that Kellen Moore's looking for. But yes, great breakdown. Hit it up at, at the Chargers YouTube channel with Brad. He did a really great job of explaining kind of what Kellen Moore likes to run. Yeah. It, it it gives you a pause a little bit to think, okay, is is Washington or is is Mayor a better fit like on its face in 2023, knowing that Gerald Everett and Dalton Kincaid kind of have similar skill sets and that, you know, they're, they're weapons in the passing game. Um, but I'm with you in that, hey, Justin Herbert and Dalton Kincaid could be a lethal combination for a long, long time uh, with the Chargers. Yeah. And it's it's not it's not worth saying, okay, you know what, forget it. We have Gerald Everett this year. Um, let's focus on Washington or Mayor. At the same time, what you said two weeks ago, and I 100% agree with, trading back and maybe getting a Darnell Washington um, to go with another second or a third-round pick. Maybe that's the move, you know? So, so I think just, it brings a little Luke bit Luke Musgrave or, or Sam yeah. Laporta. Like, if you if you only have one first-round grade or two, let's say you have two first-round grades on a tight end, on Kincaid and Mayer, and they're both gone. But, you know, so that's when you start, okay, well, we don't want to draft Washington here. We don't want to draft Musgrave here. We don't feel that there's value with the 21 pick in that player. Now let's move on to our wide receivers. Do we have a first-round grade? on any of these wide receivers. Is there a first-round grade on Quentin Johnson? Is there a first-round grade on uh, Jay, on Jordan Addison, on Zay Flowers? Flowers? That's the question. It's not just fit, this player. And, and remember, they need someone to trade with them. They need someone that wants to give up in a, a, their third to come up to, to one, give up their two and their three for you to move back, like the Chargers did when they jumped to get Kenneth Murray. Remember, they gave up their two and their three. To, to move to 26, I think it was, to draft Kenneth. So that's that's the kind of deal you're you're looking at. You're going to swap your one for their two, and you're going to get their three. Is there a team that's willing to do that, and how far back is their two and their three? But I'd be up for it just to get that one extra pick to slide back a little bit if a lot of those players are on the board. And, again, remember, everybody hasn't graded differently. And there's so many – if Tom Telesco is true to his word that he is a best player available, well, that puts everybody into play. Yeah. You may end up having a first-round grade on an interior lineman that's sitting there for you at 21, and you say, well, I know we got Sawyer there, but it doesn't hurt to just keep building. Or defensive line, or interior line, or edge rusher, linebacker. What if you've got a first-round grade on Nolan Smith, and he's sitting there, and it's not someone we're really thinking about? So, to me, that's... 
that's sort of the interesting that that's the riddle of the draft is you just you don't have you don't have the answers you don't even have the, the slightest bit of an answer you have no idea what the teams think you know what you think the the players are that fit and should be ranked high enough for you to draft at 21 but you have no idea what Tom Telesco and his staff think and Brandon Staley think when when that pick is when, when the clock starts and they're sitting at 21. One thing we, we both know is that they need speed still on offense, and I don't know where that's going to come from. Um, and I, w- I would think it would come from the draft, and it would come early in the draft, knowing that that was something that was lacking last year. I, I want to go through this mock draft tracker, and, and guys, we have a bunch of questions that we'll get to in a little bit, but just look at it at, at what some of the experts around uh, media circles okay. money have. Uh, uh, your guy Cansey from Pittsburgh, Todd McShay, has him going to the Chargers, um, and if listen, he slides, I, I that that's, could be a great pick. That's one interesting. I've said offense, 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 but the more and I hadn't really dug into him. I did after we were talking with Mike Renner last week, and it's explosive. It jumps off. I mean, it really jumps off the screen when you're watching him. How quickly he splits, just the strength. There's one play. I think it was against West Virginia where. He's inside. He, he's in the B gap, and he splits the center guard, just dusts the guard to the right, and the running back tries to pick him up, and he basically throws the running back into the quarterback for the sack. It's that. It's that kind of play. The stuff we see with Joey and and Khalil last year. Remember, there was that in that first game, Khalil uh, against the Raiders. Essentially, yeah, I don't remember sacks. which back was in there. I can't imagine it'd be Jacobs. He's too strong. But just basically grabbed the running back and tackled Derek Carr and the running back for a sack. Like that's the kind of power we're talking about with Kalijah Kansi and just the quicks. So, yeah, McShay. I think if if he's sitting there at twenty one, I can only imagine that Brandon Staley will be jumping on the table, begging Tom to to take him to help this defense out. So Renner updated his his uh, mock yesterday. He's got Dalton Kincaid, Michael Middlehurst, Schwartz from USA Today, Dalton Kincaid. Ryan Wilson, CBS Sports, Jordan Addison. Um, that's interesting. If Jordan Addison's there at 21, that's something you got to think long and hard about. Um, He's starting to slide a little bit. Yeah. For whatever reason. And maybe the pro day wasn't fair. It was in that monsoon we had out here that they were out there doing their pro day. But for whatever reason, Addison has taken a, a bit of a tumble down the board. You're starting to hear more. Quentin Johnston, you're hearing a little bit more. Zay Flowers. Smith uh, Najigma seems to be the number one receiver now on just about everybody's board. Don't know if that's really a fit with the Chargers for what they have. And, and, and again, you can't just think about 2023. You've got to think about the next five years with these first-round picks. So potentially, yeah, you could. He's just very similar to Keenan where he's so good and strong and he's one speed in every one of his cuts. He's not the fastest guy, but like Keenan – everything's at the same speed so you have no idea where he's going and he's just explosive like Keenan is in and out of his breaks he's very similar so you'd be drafting a similar player as opposed to Zay who played a lot on the outside you know Johnson who played a ton I mean that's what he is right he's just a giant dude Johnston's a giant freak of nature DK Metcalf you know not that swole but that tall and that long so that's and we talk about that all the time with wide receivers. Your DJ has that line. You're building a basketball team, point guard, you know, swing, your your forward. Do you have a center for the red zone for those for those, you know, jump balls? Like that's what you're trying to build. So of all those players, to me, Zay is the one that really jumps out just because he's the most explosive. 
I, I think dynamic, yeah. um, dynamic was the word that that or you know that Mike Renner used last week, and that's that's the one thing that jumps. You know, I love Josh Downs at the combine, just so smooth and and also looked explosive, but he's essentially a slot. I think you got to think about somebody on that that you know that that's lined up outside opposite Mike. Uh, Bleacher Report scouting department, Zay Flowers. There you uh, go. Boston College. Kyle Stackpole has Miles Murphy at Clemson. Our uh, our friend Cynthia Freeland, Michael Mayer. Uh, and, you know, we just brought that up. He, he's probably the most complete tight end. Just nowhere the near the receiver Kincaid is. Like, yeah. not even close. He's, he's good. Kincaid's a great receiver as a tight end. Great. Like, elite receiver as a tight end. Mayer is more of your all-around good blocker, good receiver. And Chris Trapasso has B. John Robinson going to the Chargers. And I don't, you know, we spent so much time on the running back, but I, I, I'll just say this, uh, this debate about drafting one in the first round, I, I think I've, I've completely come to the side of you absolutely should if it's a game changer because he enters your program in his prime. You're going to have this guy yeah. for four or five years uh, on your team with a guy like Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, if, if you have B. John Robinson in the backfield with Justin Herbert, it makes your offense darn near unstoppable. Really, I, in my opinion, I, I right. just I, I think that he's that type of player. One, we've talked about it a lot. One of the I things know. that that I've brought up through social media and engaging with the fans and some some people around the Chargers that do maybe you know satellite podcast stuff like that is don't think of it as a running back. Think of it as just one of eleven that helps. How does this one of, or I should say, ten? If Justin Herbert is your number one, right, how do the other 10 players complement that quarterback? And that's something that Mike Renner brought up. I want Justin throwing the ball more. That's fine. Not telling, not saying that you have to hand the ball to Bijan Robinson every, every play. Because Bijan can catch too, by the way. That's when he's on the field, <laughs> he's a receiver. He's in pass protection. He's a play action weapon for Justin Herbert. So like that's, what people have to remember when you have an elite running back, well, now your play action's being honored a lot more. Now you can't. Now, now you're stacking the box because Bijan's just ripped off four or five runs for six, seven yards a carry. The big debate comes in. There's two debates that I think people fail to to follow with the should I or should I not draft the running back in the first round. The first is what's the drop off? What what is the separation between Robinson and the player that I'm going to get in the next round. So from what's the drop off from Bijan? If I can get Jameer Gibbs in the second round, if I can get Charbonnet, if I can get, you know, Tank Bigsby that, that Mike was talking about, what is my pass pro receiving? What is my drop off there? If it's not that big, then yeah, let's wait. Now, if Bijan is so far and away ahead of them, then that's where that conversation comes into play. The second thing is money. So, why do you want to draft defensive linemen, offensive linemen? And now what the, and this goes into the tight end conversation, right? Wide receivers are not getting paid 20 to 25 million bucks a year. If you're elite offensive linemen are getting paid 20 to $25 million a year. If you're elite defensive edge, edge rushers are getting paid $30 million a year. If you are elite. So it's not just the player, it's the money. So if you feel like this is an elite edge rusher, I'm going to have him for five years, and I believe he's going to be elite from the jump. Well, now I'm paying a guy $4 bucks a year, 
instead of $30 million a year. Offensive lineman, I believe this is a starting tackle for the next five years. Well, Laramie Tunsil just got 25. Orlando Brown just got 20. Jawan Taylor just got 22. Like, that's that's what we're talking about. And that's what and I think Will those guys be there at 21 overall, though, money? But that's well, what I mean. Know, we'll, so, like, th- yeah. that's why if you believe – and look, it, we Renner said it. It's a deep offensive line class. It's a deep defensive line class. So now, okay, what's what's Cansey? If he's what we think he's going to be, what is that guy going to cost me if he's That's as a good elite example. as we believe he's going to be in year three? Because guess what? We're not paying him $35 million bucks like Aaron Donald's getting. We're paying him $3 million. And now we've got that other $32 million bucks to go spend on our team and our defense, and we've got this elite player. So that's the one thing you have to remember is that money does come into play. Your top-shelf running backs are getting paid $12 million a year. So you're going to pay you're running back. You're not saving that much money. The gap isn't that wide. And that's the other part of that conversation. Yeah. How many close games have the Chargers been in the last two years? All um, of them. And, and, and what would a guy like B. John Robinson do in terms of salting the game away and icing the game and, and running the football when you absolutely have to run the football? I, I think that I just, I think about that because we know, listen, Justin's still going to throw the ball 40 plus times a game, right? But if you have someone who can, close the game who can Mariano Rivera the game for you in the fourth quarter with six minutes left I mean I would say that's a pretty good asset to have on your offense that's it you know I I I don't I know it'll probably come off as pointing fingers I don't mean it to I just to me the offense specifically the run offense is going to be so much better with this coordinator I was not a fan of the designed runs even when the offense was operating at a very high level two years ago I know it wasn't nearly as effective last year but the running game just was not good. And that could be personnel. It could be play calling. There was not near enough play action. There weren't nearly enough shot plays to open things up, to let your running game have a chance. So with Josh and with Austin and with now what you, what you hope is going to be a healthy offensive line, Slater, Johnson, Lindsley, Sawyer, Pipkins, to me, with what you have, you can still have a very yeah. effective running game. You don't, you don't necessarily Isaiah, need Bijan Robinson to, to do that. Again, I leave Isaiah out just because I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I do know from what I saw last year that Josh took a step. Joshua Kelly took a step and looked like a violent. He's going to bring the pain when he gets that ball. If you give him a crease, he's not, he's not going to make you miss. He's not going to stretch it. And that's the one interesting thing about Kellen Moore that check out at, at the Chargers YouTube channel what Brett broke down is the outside zone and and being able to stretch 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 find that gap and you might have to cut back and run a counter you you, I don't know how that's going to fit Josh that's the other thing to keep in mind how do these backs that are on the roster fit into that outside zone scheme that we did not see a lot of last year yeah, and we're not in those meetings with Brandon Staley and Kellen Moore and Tom Telesco They, they may say hey we're we're good with Isaiah Spiller we're good with with Eckler and uh and and Josh Kelly like Bijan Robinson's not even in the conversation because we we have guys on the roster that we think can uh, maximize their potential under Kellen Moore. So we must be, we're, you know, you're just talking to talk here at this point with with three weeks to go in the NFL draft. But there's so many different options, and we had so many questions that you guys submitted via Twitter. Take a quick break, and we'll answer them on the other side. All right, guys, as the official hospitality provider of the NFL, On Location offers unrivaled access to experience all premier NFL events like never before. 
On Location brings you up close for all the action, providing fans with unforgettable moments from draft day to Super Bowl Sunday and everything in between. On Location thrilled to announce its new partnership with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This August, kick off football season in Canton, Ohio, and be there live to witness the class of 2023 enshrinement. The NFL is headed back to London and Germany for the 2023 NFL International Games. On Location official packages will feature game tickets, deluxe hotel accommodations, private tours, pregame hospitality, end-to-end planning, and much more. Be sure to secure your priority access today. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your football experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location. All right, Bunny, let's get to some of these questions. Um, This one's directed towards you. I know money wants all offense, but what defender would you both consider a 21 given lack of depth at corner, edge, linebacker, and future cap? Well, I think we already mentioned one in in Kalaja Kansi. That, to me, is a, is a no-brainer. The interesting one is Nolan Smith. I think he's going to be there. He just doesn't necessarily fit the profile of what Brandon Staley likes. Staley likes big, long rushers. He's He's... You know, Nolan is not a big guy, but man, he is strong. He is nasty, physical, quick as hell. He's just small. You know, he's like 240 pounds, and he's not 6'4". He, so that's that's one. I think I think Van Ness is, is an interesting one at edge because to me that's where they would look. I think you're talking about somebody who impacts impacts the game from a – rush the quarterback sort of because I, I don't think you'll get a corner that falls there I don't think Witherspoon or Gonzalez or those elite corners are going to fall Branch is interesting because he's so versatile and he's starting to slide a little bit after his pro day he can play nickel he can play safety we know how much they value sort of the amo- amoeba style defensive back and and how they want to use Derwin and how they used uh Gilman you know be it high or low how they're moving Asante inside outside so that Branch is an interesting one just because he slipped a little bit coming off of his pro day. And I know some people had him at the start of this whole process as their number one corner, just as their number one defensive back. They just thought that highly of him. So that'd be an interesting one where I could see them maybe having a first-round grade on him based on his tape where he could slide. But Van Ness is an interesting one just because he's a freak. He's just like one of those, you know, Roman statues that chiseled from marble that's out there playing and – you know, is he body beautiful or is he, you know, this freak of an athlete that's also a really good player? Because he didn't that, – that that production part of it wasn't really there. So that's a couple names, I think, on the defensive side that, that maybe if for whatever reason Gonzalez Witherspoon, I don't think they're going to be their branch. is probably the interesting one at, at corner. Cansey, uh, Nolan Smith. Some people have Miles Murphy there. I don't know if they'd have a first-round grade on him. So there's a – couple names to maybe think about there you go more than a couple and you know from a cornerback perspective uh i think sometimes we forget that jc jackson is rehabbing right now we don't know when he's going to be ready but it's a nice segue into this next question hi chris and money i see jc jackson on social media working diligently to recover as soon as he can from this serious injury also read no timeline for his return when does he finally return how much will that injury affect his level of play from prior to it all good questions. I don't have the answer to any of them. Um, yeah, those I, are tough ones to answer. Th- those are tough ones. And I, I'm hopeful that JC can contribute 
in a, in a meaningful way at some point during the season. You know, you, you saw what Zant did in the in the playoff game. Michael Davis was fantastic in JC's absence. Uh, Bryce Callahan still a free agent. Um, I think he was signed by the Chargers in May after the draft last year. So uh, maybe that quarterback room isn't done yet, Money. But to to what extent we can count on JC? I think right now, as we sit here, April fifth. I don't know. Hundred percent. No idea. Just know that after the injury was described as a really bad injury. That's pretty much all I know. As they said, it was a bad one. So we see him though. You mentioned you see the videos talking to guys that are going into the office every day. They're like, yeah, he's here every day, working out, starting to put a lot of weight on it, starting to get along, you know, a lot further in his rehab process. So you need him. There's no depth in that cornerback room, so you definitely need him, and that's a lot of money tied up that you're not walking away from anytime soon. He's here for at least another two years. So it's it's one of those just cross your fingers. The interesting thing is going to be what do you do with Mikey? It's last year of his deal. So how do you play that? When you've got JC on that type of number, Asante's going to be going in to his Asante's going into his third year. So next year will be his fourth year, and then he'll be a free agent. So that really sort of flips the corner room on its head, which is why you might see when it when it comes to the draft. Okay, do they? You hate to say it, but do they have to go corner? You know, do, because of just the timing of all of this. What's Michael Davis worth? on the free agent market, and can the Chargers afford it with the amount of money they already have tied up in Derwin James and, and J.C. Jackson? Aloe Gilman's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. What if he has a really good year? So as I kind of go through the, the, the board here of, of corners, yeah, Joey Porter's there, maybe you take Joey Porter at 21. If Deontay Banks is there, maybe you take Deontay Banks at, at 21. So that's sort of an interesting, I think, it, it's – I don't know kind of what the what the approach would be. Brian Branch would be an interesting one because he's, like we said, he's so versatile. You can play him at safety. You can play him at slot. You know, so that's that's one I think to keep an eye on. But that, as I'm talking through it, now it starts to make a little more sense. Yeah, corner could be what you end up doing there in the first round just because of the timing on these contracts and these players that are coming up. Yeah, that's a good point. That question was from Crumboo. All right, Thank Chargers you, Aaron. Yeah. Who would be some dark horse offensive guys already on the team that should benefit the most from Kellen Moore? Uh, he said, for me, Parham and Spiller, I think those are two really good ones, especially, you know, I think Parham's still just scratching the surface, had injury history, and we just mentioned the, the big question mark around Isaiah Spiller. Maybe he is a guy who could take a leap. Well, I know it's not sexy, but how about the, the five guys up front? The Cowboys offensive line is regularly cited as the best in the league. Now, is that because they have the talent? They've invested. Zach Martin, best guard. Tyron Smith, one of the best left tackles. But when guys went down and Steele had to step in, these guys are playing ball. So, yeah. to me, that's something to keep an eye on is how good that offensive line was year in and year out. Now, is that the offensive coordinator's job? Not really. The offensive line coach tends to operate on his own separate but how do you use the offensive line? How are they blocking in your run scheme? How are they blocking? How are they pass blocking? So, you know, what kind of plays are you calling? What kind of pass plays are you calling to help your offensive line out? Yeah. So instead of just thinking of the skill positions, to me, you could also think about the five guys up front and how they benefit with him calling plays versus Joe Lombardi the last two years. Certainly, you look at the running backs. 
you know, and what Tony Pollard turned into under Kellen. So that's that's an obvious place to look. And for everything else, we're just looking at the continued development of young players. Josh Palmer, Donald Parham, Trey McKitty. He's a guy that likes to use a lot of 12. We talked about that. That means two tight ends, one running back, two tight ends. So does that mean the development of Trey McKitty more? Because just yeah. he's got to be out there more. And Kellen's going to be able to coach him up, make him a better tight end. It's not like Dalton Schultz was a household name when he, when he turned into one of the better all-around tight ends in the league. It was something that was coached up by Kellen Moore. Yep, and that's why they drafted Trey McKitty in the third round. So, yeah. uh, Meerkat Manor, uh, why do you guys have such a preference for tight end? The only tight ends taken in the first round that had a big impact since 2000 have been Vernon Davis and Jeremy Shockey. Even guys that have been called aliens or generational haven't lived up to the hype, e.g. Pitts, Njoku, etc. Um, I won't speak for you, Money. I'll, just, I'll start by saying I don't think any of those guys had a quarterback named Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. and I think that's, th- that's the intrigue is, is pairing a guy like Dalton Kincaid with somebody like Justin Herbert. You know, uh, Kyle Pitts is still figuring out because he doesn't have a quarterback. Uh, David Njoku, I don't remember who his quarterback was when he was drafted to Cleveland, but Cleveland hasn't had a lot of success at the quarterback position. Uh, so uh, Justin Herbert is the reason I think we are intrigued by Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, and, uh, and Washington from Georgia. It's a fair question. My answer would be that you can apply it to any position. It's it's all an unknown. It's one great unknown. You're you're in so much of it. You alluded to it, Chris. Is circumstance. What team are you being drafted? You know, to what team are you being drafted? Who is your quarterback? Who's throwing you the passes? What kind of offense are you in? Is the tight end featured? What division are you in? How fast are the linebackers? How good are the safeties? So there's a lot that goes into it. The one thing I'll say is the tight end position has changed dramatically the last five years. Mm. It, it has become a true weapon in the pass game a, because so many teams are playing 13 where you've got one tight end, three wide receivers, and you don't have enough defensive backs. So typically one of those guys is being covered by a safety, your tight end is being covered by a safety that's too small or a linebacker that's too slow when you've got a really good one. And they can really impact a team's offense because it's a constant mismatch. And there's a reason why young quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, just go through these young quarterbacks. When they, last year, the Jags went out and got Evan Ingram. That's, it's, a, it's an easy completion that so when so that's your floor your floor is middle of the field easy completion red zone giant catch radius big body can help you out as a blocker and then release and and then when you combine that with someone that you think has elite skills well that's it's almost impossible to cover and and that's why people get so excited about Dalton Kincaid because just trying to imagine how is a defense going to stop it's everybody knew Travis Kelsey was kind of all they had this year Tyree Kill was gone you know you're you're content with letting MVS or or Juju hurt you in the in the past game you just couldn't let Kelsey beat you and he still did and he still beat teams to a pulp because he's that good because he's that tough of a cover he's too big for corners and safeties and he's too fast for linebackers so when you can find one of those players it's why you see these guys go so high. Now, do they always pan out? No, but just go through the, okay, let's Super Bowl. Dallas Goddard, 
Travis Kelsey, two of the best. NFC Championship game. George Kittle, Dallas Goddard. Obviously, Joe Burrow can make anybody good, but he's had solid tight ends there, and they've been searching year in and, you know, from Uzama, who left last year, Croft. They they have regularly been searching for really good tight ends there. So that's why you do it. This one is from Andrew. With Jason Moore, Michael Bandy, DeAndre Carter not coming back, and Jalen Guyton still a free agent, how many wide receivers do you think the Chargers take in the draft? Well, this is what we do know, right? You got Palmer, you got Keenan, you got Mike, you got Keenan and Mike at a very big number in 2024, and you don't have speed at the moment at the wide receiver position. So if they address it in the first Two rounds, three rounds, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. Um, I don't know who else is really out there money in that that third, fourth wave of free agency with speed because I think that's what they're missing at this point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there was a wide receiver there at 21 that they liked that, that had that juice, you know, like a, like a Zay Flowers. Who knows? Well, the, the players we all just listed were signed as undrafted free agents or veteran minimums. DeAndre Carter, very low money deal late in the free agent process. Jason Moore was an undrafted. Michael Bandy was an undrafted. A.J. Guyton was an undrafted. So Tyron Johnson was an undrafted. That's So, they're, yeah, they're, they'll pull from that pool. They'll, they'll bring in some guys, some college free, priority college free agents that they have their eye on on the back end of this draft. It may be the first round. It may be the second. It may be the third the, the jail I know our friend Lance Erline had Jalen Hyatt going to the Chargers at 21 that seems a little rich based on everything we're hearing it was just a monster game against Alabama had a good game against I think Akron and, and one other smaller school and everything else was just fair to middling so I think that seems a little rich for a guy that really is I hate to say like a one-trick pony but that's hey go that way real fast if the ball comes your way catch it and sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't that's 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 the the speed is elite elite take the top off speed and it would certainly help the offense but it seemed like that might be a little rich for 21 and you're trying to force something so they'll draft a receiver if I were a general manager I would draft a receiver every single year every year I would draft I I would invest a value pick I'm talking first four rounds in a wide receiver I just think they are that important now in this game the way it's played the way that it's called so you drafted Josh Palmer two years ago in the third round. They're they're not strangers to it. They'll they'll invest in Mike Williams was drafted number seven overall. Keenan Allen was a third rounder. They'll draft guys, and I suspect they'll do the same this year. If maybe Hyatt's there in the second, maybe it's At Perry. It's some of the guys that we talked about with Renner last week. So there are players that they can go get in the second and third round. It's a deep wide receiver class. The way I've heard it described is it's not an elite wide receiver class. It's a deep wide receiver class. Yeah. So maybe maybe second, third, fourth round is where you see yeah. wide receiver. Uh, we've talked about so many different position groups. That's why this draft is such an unknown money. You mentioned, hey, if, if Tom is staying true to his board and, uh, and a guard or a tackle is best available, maybe you take that. Uh, we talked about edge and you know the, the age of uh, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. We talked about corner, and you brought up a great point about having to pay Michael Davis and Asante Samuel, yeah. having the unknown with, with J.C. Jackson. We've talked about wide receiver. We've talked about tight end. We've talked about running back. So at 21 overall, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a specific position that you're like, man, we have to get this. Um, I, I think they you, need have everything. To, you have to see where the board goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
This is from our guy, uh, our guys at Charger Chat Podcast. Hey, Chris and Money, this Eckler situation is something you never want to see. With him now taking the negotiations personally with his most recent statements, how will this affect the team? And do you think he will be able to assimilate back in without distractions? Listen, Austin's a professional. This is a business. I, I think both sides realize that this is a business, and sometimes feelings are hurt in, in business. But at, at the end of the day, you, you got to show up to work and, and you know honor your contract. And I think the Chargers allowed Austin to go seek a trade, and that's, that's kind of where they are right now. So, again, April 5th, who knows? But, you know, if, if it comes down to him being back with the Chargers, I have no doubt that Austin – will maintain his professionalism and, and give his, his all and 100% to being the best back he can be for the Chargers. Uh, you would hope. Certainly, it's, it's a position that carries a lot of violence, you know, a lot of incoming violence to it. So, to me, it's hard to expect someone to not have that in the back of their mind. I've got to go out and get a new contract. I've got a couple more prime earning years. I can't afford to get hurt. We know Austin took on all – commerce you know he never went down on first contact you hope that's still the case the one thing I'll say you mentioned it he's professional he's still making six and a half million bucks from the Chargers is a lot of money that he's getting paid this year for his services and he's got to prove to other teams that he's still got it if, if yeah. his thought is I'm going to be a free agent I want to get a big money deal and I'm going to go into the open market next year and make that money well now you got to show it and you've got to show that you still got it so that it's essentially a free agent prove it year for him that he is going to be the touchdown leader and back to back to back seasons and continue to be that touchdown maker. He's going to want those carries and he's going to want those numbers. So he's going to want to try to get to a hundred catches again. So he's going to be out there making his point to the other teams that are going to be interested in him at this time next year, if the chargers aren't selfishly, and it's not my money and it's not my cap that I have to manage. I would love it if they could figure out a way to tack on a year. To me, that, that'd be the best case. Can you take him through his age 29 year, give him a little bit more money, and that way you kind of meet in the middle. Hey, you're not getting a three-year deal at 28. It's, it's, teams just aren't going to do it. They're not going to give you big money into that year 30, age 30, age 31 year. But we'll give you a little bit more. As thank you for the, the previous two years, and we believe you can still be an effective back for at least the next two. So here's a little something to make you feel better. I wonder if that, you know, unfortunately time has passed. That ship has sailed, and that's not going to happen. But to me, that – and, again, I'm not the one that's got to figure out how to make all this cap work and, and get everything to fit with all the needs and the depth. You know, you've it's already got the guy for 6.25, and there's really no reason to do it other than I'm not operating from just a straight business standpoint. I guess I'm operating from a bit of a, an emotional standpoint as well. But to me, that would be the best case. Winning – also raises your profile, right? So if, if this is the last year of his deal and the Chargers win and he does everything he's done the last two years, um, yeah. it'll make him that much more attractive on the open market too if if that's what it's going to be in 2024. Um, we love Austin. And I, and I think we the, the, No, go ahead. Yeah, buddy. the flip side of that too, Chris, is he may not want that. Maybe the Chargers already offered it. It's possible the Chargers are like, hey, we'll give you a year. And he and his agent said, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for long term. We do not want a year. The last thing they, they, they may say the last thing that they want is to take him into his year 29. They're trying to get that three years at 28 because now that he's taken through 29, now there's no chance we're getting another deal after this. 
that's not, you know, in the minimum range. So it's possible that they're just not interested in that too. I don't want to make that a one-sided position of, well, the Chargers should just do this. Eckler may not want it. They may have said, we'll give you one extra year. We'll give you a bump up to, let's say, $9 bucks or something. And they said, no, not interested. Yep, that's, uh, that's something that is TBD. Again, we're at the beginning of April. Got a long way to go until training camp yep. at the end of July. So um, this is from Brandon. Aside from John Johnson, what free agents would you like to see the team pursue either pre- or post-draft? Keep in mind, guys like uh, Kyle Van Noy and Morgan Fox and, and Bryce Callahan, I believe they were all signed after the draft last year, money. So, um, I would, listen, there's a, there's a lot of decent players. Or I, w- I shouldn't say decent. A lot of good players that, that are still available in, in this, like, third, fourth, fifth wave of free agency. Um, I don't know if there's anybody that stands out to you. I was just taking a look at, you know, even the yeah, edge pulling market. Up, uh, pulling up Greg Rosenthal's top 100 right now. And Gakwe's out there. I was going to say, and Gakwe's the one name that stood out to me the, the most. Jadavian Clowney, really good on the edge to, to help with the run, but not the, the you know, not necessarily the best pass rusher. Rocky Asin at corner. Reisner interior. Isaiah Wynn, who's just been a disaster. Marcus Peters, interesting, coming off the ACL. Um, yep. Now, Leonard Floyd's interesting because we know we know Brandon Staley loves him. He's not someone that's going to come cheap, but if you can figure out a way to craft the contract, we know that Staley loves that guy. Had him in Chicago, had him in L.A. So that's possibility. Old friend alert, Melvin Ingram. Would he want to come back and, and play his last year on the Chargers? Reunited. A situational pass rusher at 35. Frank Clark was let go by the – by the Chiefs, so he's out there. Heck, we know full well what he can do, as having to face him a couple times. You already mentioned Bryce Callahan, who's still out there. I'm sure Brandon Staley wants John Johnson. To me, that's I, I think that's a low East position. I, I think they're comfortable with that. They don't want to spend the money. So, to me, those are. It, it, to me, those are just like what? What is it going to cost you? What are we? What are we looking at? How much do you want? How long do you want? Can we make it work sort of thing? But, yeah, one of those edge rushers, Ngakwe, Clark, um, Floyd, on the super cheap side of things, Ingram. So it's – Bottom line, there's guys. Yeah, there's players there's out there. Yeah, yeah there's, there's definitely players out there. From Louise, who would be a good replacement for Carter as a punt returner wide receiver for? Do you think they could double dip and draft two wide receivers? You know, last week we talked about DeAndre Carter, and I think somebody somebody made mention that we uh, like it, it was overblown how how big of a loss it is. I'll just say this: the special teams, the last three or four years before DeAndre Carter and Andre Roberts got into that position, it was tough. It was tough, and when you stabilize it, obviously you want to make sure you you have somebody who can you can pass the torch to. I don't know who that guy is. I'm sure Ryan Ficken does, and and Ryan Ficken has a plan, and Brandon Staley has a plan. Uh, I don't know if that guy's on the roster right now, Muddy. Maybe it's somebody they they do draft. Possible, you know. It's it's typically not a position player because you you want those guys to. It's it's a very dangerous position that that tends to unfortunately face a lot of injury I'm just going through I'm going through player statistics here so let's go uh, returning um, how who were our best return that, that's for team 
the, the thing that's interesting is when you go through it, it's not like we, we mentioned this last year, last year, last week. It's not like there's a ton of, uh, a ton of elite players out there. So I think that's, that's something to keep in mind as I'm looking for like Keyshawn Nixon, right? These aren't household names. Um, Waganu, um, Wanagwu, there we go. Guy from Minnesota. Uh, Brandon Powell, Jerome Ford. These are the top returners in terms of sort of who, you know, Marcus Jones, Amir Abdullah, think about plucking him off the scrap heap as a backup running back returner. DeAndre Carter was seventh, tied for seventh in kickoff returns. In punt returns, you had, second, let's right? see, Keyshawn Nixon at 12-7, Marcus Jones at 12-5. DeAndre Carter was fourth at 11-7, but really third because Pharaoh Cooper at the top only returned 12 of them in five games. So Braxton Berrios, what I'm getting at is these are all Ray-Ray McLeod. These are, a lot of these are free agents, you know, inexpensive free agents that are signed, and, and that's something that you should be able to find. And, and maybe a lot of it is more about Ficken and his system and the blocking and getting that part of it right. And the returner is sort of the cherry on the, on the Sunday. All right, this is for money. Fear. Most likely, Chargers win 14 games or a top three offense. This is for Matt Money Smith. Hmm. 14's <laughs> a lot of games. Did anybody win 14 games, games last year? year? I don't think so, right? Oh, my God. How many games I don't think anyone won 14 games last year, right? Yeah, I think 13 was was the high. I want to say, yeah, the Bills were third. Oh, no, the Eagles went 14 and three. So considering one out of 32 did it last year, I'm going to say 14 14 and three going to be tough in a division with Patrick Mahomes in a conference with where where you're going. Let's see, the Chargers, if I remember right, they're going to play the AFC East. So they've got to play Josh Allen, Miami, Bill Belichick, the, the Jet Robert Sala's Jets defense. I think they get uh, what are our, our? I can't remember. It's the NFC North this year, so maybe you catch a little bit yep. of a break there. But you got a lot of teams on the come. So yeah. yeah, fourteen seems a little uh, seems very unlikely. Maybe, I'll just I'll leave it at that. High. As far as the offense, I expect the offense to be very good. I do. I think Kellen Moore is the right guy. Justin Herbert is an elite quarterback. Still has Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, a solid offensive line. I would not be surprised. It's I'm so 14. I'm going through all of these now. No, no, no. So better than all of these, better than all of these, better than all of these Eagles offense could end up better than the chargers. Cowboys lose Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy's talking about running the ball more now better than that. So right now I've got one potential, I think in the NFC in the Eagles, uh, Denver, no Raiders, no chargers chiefs. Okay. So maybe that's a second offense that's ahead of them. Through the South, Cincy, Jacksonville maybe. would be the would be the only one in the North. The Bengals, we know the Ravens. It's all Lamar dependent. Don't know what's going to happen there. And the Browns, interesting full season with Deshaun Watson. All the weapons they have there: Nick Chubb, Mari Cooper. They got a lot going on in Cleveland. Are the Chargers going to be better than the Bills on offense? So yeah, I'll go top five. Top five offense for the Chargers next season. Nice. I feel good about that. All right, Chris, does this team view defensive line as a need? It's a good question. Uh, I, I think yeah. with Austin Johnson coming back, Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox, Tito Abonia, I think everyone forgot Tito got hurt too. So that's a nice nucleus, but you can never have enough. And uh, 
you know, maybe maybe it is a need in the draft money. Huge need. Just because we talked about it. You know, I think you, you really wanted Chris Rumpf to take that next step and unfortunately got banged up again. He, he had flashes, that's for sure. But so it's a huge need. Joey Bosa was injured for nearly the entire season, and it was a struggle to replace him. Van Noy finally started coming on in the back, and I'm hopeful. I didn't mention Van Noy as a free agent. I'm very hopeful because we hear he wants to stay out here. So I'm hoping they can figure something out with Kyle to, to come back because he really started to settle into that role as an edge as opposed to an inside linebacker. So they need, yes, they need help. Don't know when Austin Johnson or Tito are going to be back. Braden Fajoko's out there shopping for a deal from a team. Yes, they Braden, need help Braden on the signed. defensive line. Braden signed with the Steelers What's, yesterday. So oh, that's right. Steelers. He signed with the Steelers. Yeah. That's he right. So he's Steelers out. Yesterday. So he's he's yeah. gone. Um, yeah, I, I think especially at edge, especially at edge, because I, I don't know if you can fully go into 2023 confident that, that, that Joey and Khalil are going to be on the field for all 17. Yeah. And Rumpf is your uh, third guy. And so love that they brought back Morgan Fox. Yes, it is a priority. They need another edge rusher. They could probably use another body or two on the inside. They like Chris Hinton a lot. They really liked what he did when he came on a couple last, I don't know, four or five games and then into the playoffs. So I think that's why Fajoko was let go. They decided to keep Hinton in between those two. So, All right, this is from Bullfan24. Oh, no, no, it's not. I already did that one. Okay. Al- Alvaro. If uh, Mayor Kincaid and Robinson are out of the first, uh, should the Chargers trade back to get more draft capital and hope on getting Gibbs, Washington, Hyatt? We kind of talked about yes, this. Yes, we talked about that. My, my, my preference is that they trade back. That's, that's what my preference is. I think they need to get deeper. They need depth. We just talked about that defensive line. They need bodies on the defensive line. I would love to see another offensive lineman drafted high. I'd love to see wide receivers. Like I want everything. And unfortunately they don't have 30 picks. So I'm trying to get more picks to get as much as if I'm the chargers, I'm trying to get more picks to get more players, more bites at the apple to try to find starters. This is from Gerald Garrow. We haven't talked about Derwin that much. So this is a good question. Do you think Derwin James will play near the line of scrimmage this season instead of moving him all around the defense from last season? I think people are saying Derwin playing close to the line will help better benefit the defense 100%. So instead of using him as a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. So it's go ahead. Yeah, it's not it's not on the line of scrimmage, Chris. It's just close to the ball. The the what I get why you put him up high. But to me, the idea of being able to move him around just speaks to how elite of a player he is, that you can stack him opposite Travis Kelsey, that you can put him on a team's best receiver on their tight end. We saw him on Devontae Adams at the end of that Raider game when it started getting close. Like, that's, that's what he, – he's a special player no matter what he's doing, if he's rushing the pass or if he's on the line of scrimmage to stop the run. But you're going to lose a little bit by just leaving him – by just treating him as a box safety. He can play slot. He can play high. He can he can play edge. So that's that's why they use him the way they do. To me, the the more interesting question, you know, apologies to I don't remember who you said asked it. I don't mean to reframe your question, but are we going to see him closer to the line of scrimmage more often? Don't for me, I don't want to remember the vision last year was we're drafting JT Woods, we're gonna play JT and Nas high that's going to allow us to put Derwin wherever we want. 
and it just didn't come to fruition. So my hope is Aloe and JT now can play high, and Derwin can do what we thought he was going to have a shot to do last year, that JT with a year of trying to figure this thing out because we know he's got the we know he's got the traits, he's got the speed, he's got the ability. He just did not quite have the vision and the instincts last year, and that's very it's a lot to ask of a high safety. So I'm hoping with a full year of being able to take in very complicated defense that Brandon Staley runs, that JT's going to be ready for that role, and we're going to see a lot more of Derwin close to the line of scrimmage all over the field with those two guys high. Yeah, three months uh, from now when we do our training camp storylines, JT Woods' uh, uh, big one uh, leap from year one to year two is going to be one of the main storylines. Uh, FOA Helix, speaking of Alohi, what are we expecting from Gilman and Nick Neiman this year? Both guys stepped up towards the end of the year and played well. Do we see extended roles for them? You mentioned Alohi and how it's probably his job. Listen, Neiman's been great on special teams. Is that somebody who may get a little bit more run at linebacker? Not with the signing of Kendricks because Coach Staley plays a ton of just one linebacker, six defensive back sort of sets, right, with with Derwin Acton as that second linebacker. So could you see him? Yeah. I mean, that would mean he's, he's not taking away reps from Eric Kendricks. Eric's probably going to be the green dot, would be my guess. He'll, be, he'll essentially be the play caller on that defensive side of the ball. That's why they brought him in. They talked about not just his ability, but his intellect and, and what they wanted from him. So he's going to be on the field like Drew was last year every single play, which means you're now talking about Neiman instead of Kenneth Murray. And that would mean that Nick took a big step and Kenneth didn't. So is that possible? Yeah. It's possible, but I'd be very surprised. Uh, he's an elite special teams player, and those guys are important. Gosh, we know that. So he'll continue to be an elite special teams player. But if he's playing more, it's probably a product of Kenneth not progressing and not playing well. That's my vision of how he would get on the field. I don't really see any other path for him. Guys, uh, thank you for all your questions. I, I don't know if we got to all of them. We got to most of them. What about well, Lindsay's? Well, well, yeah, I was saying we're ending on this one. So, yeah, our, our good friend Lindsay Theory. Um, who are they taking with the 21st overall pick? I, I figured there you that go. That's yours, Chris. Is that, is that me? That's you. Is that me? Okay, so, so 21st overall on April 5th. I don't think the running back's going to be there. I don't think Kincaid's going to be there. I'm going to say Michael Mayer because of uh, past Notre Dame players who have been drafted by the Chargers. <laughs> hey, it's a safe uh, bet, man. It, it's a safe bet, and uh, and he's a do-it-all tight end. And uh, listen, I think I think Brett's video maybe influenced me a little bit too, and I, I think he can he can do a lot of the things that Dalton can do. He he maybe not as skilled with with the ball skills, but um, Michael Mayer overall solid tight end for Justin Herbert. What about you, Money? I'm going to go Zay Flowers. Today on April 5th, I go Zay Flowers. Just need okay. to have I like I like the Zay Flowers pick. Yeah. Need to have explosive players on this on this offense. Need it desperately. I want to see more balls getting pushed downfield. And I, I think Zay would would encourage that. At the same time, I wouldn't mind an O lineman. I wouldn't mind a D lineman. I wouldn't there's a lot of things I wouldn't mind, whatever. But yeah, thanks, Lindsay. Yep. <laughs> And that was Lindsay actually chimed in first too, which I really appreciated. Yeah. I think I, I think I put this tweet at eight thirty, and uh, her timestamp is eight thirty. So there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Connor, Lindsay. Perfect time. Appreciate it. <laughs> yep. uh, 
Well, you know, we should do another one uh, the day before the draft. We'll do another Q&A day before the draft. Maybe we'll get somebody on to, to, to help answer some of these questions. Money, I'll work on a guest for next week. Uh, always appreciate your time, brother. We'll see you next yep. week. All right. All right, guys. All right, guys, as the official hospitality provider of the NFL, On Location offers unrivaled access to experience all premier NFL events like never before. On Location brings you up close for all the action, providing fans with unforgettable moments from draft day to Super Bowl Sunday and everything in between. On Location thrilled to announce its new partnership with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This August, kick off football season in Canton, Ohio, and be there live to witness the class of 2023 enshrinement. The NFL is headed back to London and Germany for the 2023 NFL International Games. On Location official packages will feature game tickets, deluxe hotel accommodations, private tours, pregame hospitality, end-to-end planning, and much more. Be sure to secure your priority access today. Visit NFLOnLocation.com or search NFL On Location today. Your football experience of a lifetime awaits only with On Location. 